Hello everybody, my name is Asher, your host for the Revenue Journey podcast where we interview and grab unique perspectives from amazing individuals doing technology sales within the APEC and ASEAN region. Welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. For this episode, we have Julia, who is part of the Inbound Success Coach team at HubSpot, specializing in very small businesses. Now, people in tech sales come from various backgrounds, including people who made a transition into tech from other industries. Now, Julia is one such example. She started a career in the hospitality industry as a flight attendant for more than two years, and she went into hospitality sales and subsequently decided to do a mid-career switch to the world of tech sales. She shares a journey and steps she took to secure a role in tech sales despite the competition out there and what her thoughts were before deciding to make that switch. Now that she's in tech sales, she also shares her perspective on how someone can make a successful transition into this role. So with that being said, let's get this episode started. All right. Hello, Julia. Now, firstly, I want to say welcome to the Revenue Journey podcast and thank you for being a guest on this show. I always thank all my guests, all my guests that comes on this show. Maybe start off by telling us how you're feeling today, Julia. I'm feeling a lot better. As you may have known, I got a, I caught a viral bug that's going around in Singapore. So I spent the last two weeks recovering. At least today, I dare say I'm 95%. So uh, it's been such a long time and I'm feeling good. How about yourself? I'm feeling good. Uh, I, I know because of this uh, viral flu bug, and I know we delayed this for quite some time, but, but you know, it's a good thing we can do it on a Saturday morning and then we can just enjoy our weekends after that. So yeah, really happy to have you on this show. Okay, but anyway, we want to start off kind of, as you know, right, Julia, we always start off by um, understanding more about the guests who come on, what's their current role, as well as the company that they are working at, so our guests have some context. Uh, so maybe Julia, tell us more about your role currently at HubSpot and you know what type of solution or service you or the company actually offer to customers? Sure. So HubSpot is a CRM, all-in-one CRM solution, customer relationship management solution. So in my role, I am part of the inbound success coach um, um, department in HubSpot. So ISC for short, um, we deal mainly with inbound leads where there are two parts to the organization, to the ISC organization. The first part is where we create impactful impressions for our freemium customers through chat and call. And then there is a second path, which is paved for ISCs that are moving to sales. That is called proactive ISC, where we kind of like close um, starter or basic packages. And right now I'm a proactive ISC. Yeah. And I mean, of course, uh, we all know that HubSpot is really well known, right? Uh, you guys can, you know, offer that all of companies from different sectors. But particularly for you, do you focus on a particular industry or vertical and you mentioned, you know, those smaller deals that you're closing. Do you, is there also a typical sizes of these companies that you speak to? That's a great question. So um, we work in a round robin kind of motion where there are a few of us in the region and we cover time zones. So it's super interesting. The reason why we do mm. that is because the sales cycle is relatively short. We always try to close customers within a call or maximum two. Um, that is yep. also because our deal size is relatively small. So the time zones that I work in would be Australia, New Zealand, the APEC mm. region, as well as a bit of the Middle Eastern um, time zones. For 
what you shared about like territories, because of that, we don't exactly have territories um, or industries. Mainly we work with uh, owners of a certain size. So for more mature markets, take that as like two to five employees. And for like more mature markets, I'm referring to like Australia, New Zealand. For less mature markets, like um, Singapore itself or Malaysia, Vietnam, Philippines, for that, we extend it up to 25. So it's one to 25 employees. Right. So I like you said, there's no particular country that you cover because it's based on time zone. So anyone that in a sense comes in, you, you basically handle them. Yes, kind of. We work off um, and, you know, when we get inbound leads and when we identify a lead as good, we just mm-hmm. dial. We have them like kind of in a list. Of, it's like a prospecting list where we would then call mm-hmm. them and try to close them in, in one call. I see. Well, in that case, then lastly, you talk about you speaking to these people. What are their personas? I would assume it's like the marketing personas or maybe even founders themselves, especially for smaller companies. That is correct. So mainly I speak to decision makers. Um, For all of these small companies, it is quite easy to navigate and get through decision makers because they would be the one that is forefronting all of these big decisions on where the company, where they'd like the company to be in the next six months. So a lot of them are very hands-on. Typically, the people that I speak to and reach out to in my first or subsequent calls are only decision makers. Nice, nice. Okay, that definitely makes the sales cycle much, much easier. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Thanks for giving us that context. And But I think at this point, I also want to let our listeners, I, I guess I want to share a little bit about uh, how we met, right, Julia? So I don't know if you remember, but when I went to, before we had this episode, I went to look back at how we met. If I'm not wrong, and, and do cry me if my memory doesn't serve me well, right? Um, I remember there was this period I was posting videos on LinkedIn about my tech sales journey and all. And I believe we connected through there and, and, and you talk about how you were kind of transitioning from hospitality uh, sales or hospitality industry, a very traditional one into something like tech sales and HubSpot was the company that you're going to. So I think that's where we kind of chatted about this whole tech sales environment. And we actually even had coffee after that to talk even more about tech sales and all that. So I don't know, do you kind of remember that, that, that period of time where we first met? Yeah, absolutely. I still remember then when we first met for our coffee chat, I was still in hospitality. In fact, I was going through rounds for a HubSpot interview. And that was where I asked you for a bit of tips, you know, what you were doing, what were the context of like um, who you were selling to. And it was really helpful. I think that chat really helped me gain a perspective into, into the tech world. In fact, like mm. speaking to you, you were one of the first few um, people who were in tech sales that I reached out to. So I was just trying to do some groundwork before, you know, that transition in that sense. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's good, right? You know, to, to me, even, even sometimes, and this is a topic I think we can talk about later. Like, I mean, even now, both for you and I, we have people reaching out to us. I'm sure, you know, asking about tech sales world, you know, how can get into the industry. And I think it's always very encouraging when someone is willing to take that extra step just to take initiative, to ask around, get some context for themselves. So, yeah, I think... You know, after so so long then now we are on this podcast so i think it's just a very nice way to kind of you know bring everything together in a sense yeah that's true i agree yeah but of course uh we want to get into kind of like the main topic right so you know i am really active on linkedin and i know julia you're also relatively active as well i know you share a lot about your journey of of going to hubspot um, transitioning into technology sales but i know one of your featured posts that you had actually talks about this career transition 
from the world of hospitality to the world of technology. And as we mentioned earlier on, right, for those who are not connected with Julia, um, or you may not have seen that post before, you actually started your career as a flight attendant. Of course, for the very world famous, you know, SIA, Singapore Airlines, uh, I think for about more than two years before you made the transition into then hospitality sales. Let's, let's talk about that part first, right? Tell us about your early career you know, as a flight attendant and how you actually went into hospitality sales in the first place. Sure. So um, the reason why I joined SQ was a funny one. Uh, I joined SQ at a very early age and that was after poly. I was 20, 19, 20. So the reason I had that two-year gap was because I wanted to wait for my then boyfriend, now husband, while he while he went to NS. We are we are on the we are same age. So I was thinking, okay, like, kind of like wait for him at the same time, get some exposure, explore the world. Um, I enjoyed my career in SQ so much so that I told myself I wanted to continue my journey in hospitality. So some context there is after SQ, I went into hospitality business and I majored, I had my bachelor's degree in hospitality business. Mm. Subsequently, after my studies was when I decided to make that transition into sales. And why sales? It was because I... Well, we had a lot of um, internships. We had a lot of like, um, you know, industry partners coming in as well as I got some prior knowledge from my lecturers on what my best competencies were. Um, my lecturers, they were, of course, in various hospitality backgrounds. Some of them were not even in hospitality, but they prompted me sharing that, hey, you know, you might actually do really well in sales. Is this something that you're considering? And at that juncture, I was thinking, I have, I have like my... I'm a mother as hospitality, but I have always thrived in service, whether it was my internship or whether, you know, it was my SQ career. I've always been in service. So at the standpoint of whether I chose sales or service, I think it was, um, sales was a clear cut to me, mainly because um, in service, the way in hospitality up is a little bit long. Sales gives you a more, like a broader perspective on what the business is about and how the mm. back end of things work. Because hospitality in itself at a heart, it's always about facing your customers, sales as well, but it's a different set of customers because I was doing business travel and in business travel, I reach out to businesses. It's like B2B. I reach out mm. to businesses. I spoke to mainly um, EAs and I and, and we essentially like do a full sales cycle from prospecting, strategizing, closing all the way to renewals. Yeah. Mm. And, and if I can kind of take a step back, right? And as you know, this podcast, we do have both current uh, tech sales professionals as well as actually many of them are aspiring tech sales professionals, right? What were some of the things that this lecturer, like you said, told you about yourself that made you have that assurance that, yeah, based on what this lecturer said, tech, uh, sales is the way to go. Like there were, were there any keywords that he used to describe you or any key phrases he or she used to describe you? I think there were multiple um, attributes that were being brought up across different lecturers. Uh, the first thing that they mentioned was I was a, I was a person that was very inquisitive. So because of my um, natural curiosity, I think it helps a lot in sales. It makes asking questions easy. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they noticed that I have good rapport building skills. And sometimes with it, in sales itself, you know, rapport building is important. It should not be the main focus, but it is important. Um, I think mainly rounded about these two traits. But of course, as I transitioned into tech, there were some other skills that I picked up that, you know, we can discuss this either like later or another time. Unless you want to discuss it now, of course. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, we can discuss this later. And, and you mentioned about how you started in hospitality sales. Of course, you said you were doing what we call a full sales cycle, right? So everything from the start to the end, even down to renewals, which is not very common in the world of tech sales. And of course, we need to talk about your transition, right, into tech sales. So let's take a step back and, and, and tell me. So you were doing pretty well. You were assistant manager of, of sales. What was the situation back then? You know, of course, we knew COVID played a part. But what made you decide, okay, I need to make that switch. You know, I need to go into tech now. Now is the time as compared to one year later, two years later. So we really love to understand what was going through your mind back then. Sure. So um, I am a person and still am very passionate about hospitality. I always thought that hospitality was endgame for me. COVID hit. Uh, it took a huge hit in my growth. Why I say that is because apart from pay cuts, which is known during the hospitality, I mean, in the hospitality industry during the pandemic, what happened was that naturally promotions would have been halt, you know, mm. um, transferability, which means like hotel to hotel, like moving it, that, that was difficult as well. So when it comes to like career growth, which also eats into your personal growth, if you're, if you're aligned with your professional and personal growth, like if it's aligned, what happens is like, I was put at this situation where I love this and I share so much love for this industry, but it's not really serving me on the growth end. You know, what should I do? And I've stayed in that industry for about one and a half years during pandemic. I think my question to myself was how long more, how long more am I willing to stay in this industry? And I felt like there was no harm just kind of reaching out to people, getting to know a different industry and weigh out my options. That was when, after speaking to people, after really understanding how the tech industry works, uh, I made a calculated decision to move into tech. Yeah. And of course, with that transition, right, you, in a sense, you were making like a mid-career switch. So you have been working for quite a few years, not like 10, 15 years, right? But it's a, it's a number, it's a sizable number. And you had to make that transition. How was that whole process like as well? Because I can imagine you have to, I guess, fight with people who are maybe younger, just fresh out of college, who people like to describe maybe more hungry, maybe younger, willing to work harder. How is that whole process in terms of hiring and trying to get a role in tech? Mm, I think there, there were like two things to it. The first one is what you just mentioned, which is the external market. The second one was an internal struggle. The reason why I said it was an internal struggle because um, you really hit a bullseye to say that in hospitality, I was dealing with a full sales cycle. And now that in, I went to tech, the sales structure is a little bit different where I kind of need to um, take an entry role. So on the external front online, you know, the competition and back then tech was aggressively hiring. What I did was I genuinely wanted to know if this was a good, risk that I was taking moving industries because I do have some experience in hospitality and that sets me on a good path post-COVID to kind of grow from there. Um, at this juncture, I think reaching out to tech professionals and people who are passionate, passionate about tech like yourself was something that I did to kind of really understand a holistic picture on um, what this industry is about, what the roles are about, how the sales structure is like and which area gave me the best competitive advantage give me the best possibility of breaking through if that makes sense yeah it makes sense and, and i think 
again, we will go back to what we talk about, right? You know, there may be certain external factors that you can't control. For example, maybe someone who may have one to two years of sales experience, tech experience. Maybe sometimes the hiring manager may want that kind of person. But if you can show you did your homework, you have already understood what is required of you. I, I think it always pushes kind of like your chances of getting. And, and that's also what I try to tell people, right? Sometimes it's about putting in a little bit more effort because sales is like that. You know, you put in a little bit more effort, you get a little bit more results, I think. I uh, agree. I think, sorry, go yeah, ahead. So, share your thoughts. <laughs> okay. I was just saying that, like, I completely agree with you. I think a lot of times, like, um, it is easy to want the easy way out. But when we are doing transitions specifically, because there is a lot of things, there will there will be a lot of changes that you will face. Um, that little homework that you do, that five-minute reading or additional 10-minute reading about the role or company, or that one message that you shoot across to meet someone for 15 minutes is extremely crucial because it shows learnability. At the same time, I think it shows a lot of adaptability, which is required when you move from industry to industry. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and, and adaptability is actually also very important in sales, right? And literally, it's adaptability during that conversation with the customer. Because yeah. you can never predict what someone is going to say, what someone is going to ask, and got to adapt to different situations. So I really love the point that you brought up. Mm. But of course, at this point, um, at the same time, we talk about how when you were in hospitality, uh, your, your title was, of course, assistant sales manager. And mm. then when you went to HubSpot, you started off like you mentioned, an inbound success coach. So essentially, it was a role cut for you. you know, it was a role cut. It was something that, well, you were doing full sales cycle. Now it's going to be very specific into something. And it was just different. You know, you had to start off from the bottom. I, I know you mentioned about how you felt, you know, there was the right timing. You know, you talked to different people. But what was going through your mind? Because uh, at the end of the day, you got to question yourself, right? Do I want to do start off from the bottom again, in a sense, do I want to have a row cut? I, I'm really curious, you know, tell, tell me about what was going through your mind and you said, okay, let's just go into it. Um, I think I am, the first thing that allowed me to accept that very easily is I prioritize learning a lot. And the mm. idea that if I were to, for example, move from hospitality into, say, a BDR or AE role, which probably might have matched the competency as well, considering I was doing a full sales cycle. I can imagine that I would struggle a lot because it's a different industry. You know, at the same time, like what you shared, that there are competition in the market. There are people with other sales experience that are looking and eyeing and have better competencies, more honed competencies than I than 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 myself. So in order to ensure that I am kind of like a top candidate, at the same time, to learn more about the industry, I decided that that was the best way forward. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So literally, you, you just said, okay, let's prioritize learning. I mean, of course, you had that learning as your priority. Would you say that's one of the biggest factors or were there also other things in, you know, in life or in mind that made you say, yeah, I don't mind that roll cut and kind of lose that effect? a few months, a few years, and try to catch up again? Hmm, great question. I think apart from learning, learning was the biggest factor. But I think apart from learning, of course, it was kind of a strategy as well. Because apart from the idea that I get to learn, being, hmm. let's say, like, um, taking, taking that entry role might lag me behind by a year, for example. 
But yep. I really get to understand what's next and prepare for what's next. I get to kind of have that leeway of time to look ahead. So mm. I would say it's kind of strategic. I And I didn't mind that one year to be in the ISC role just for me yep. to be able to look ahead and prepare myself for what's next. Mm. And if I can continue to ask, right? So you mentioned that was the part on you. You had those mindset, you had those thinking, you had those priority. But what about external factors? For example, I, I believe, and do correct me if I'm wrong, you probably have interviewed with multiple other tech companies. Did mm. the so-called culture or what you understand about Hotspot made it easier for you to decide? You know, or, or did it play a big factor? I think that's what I'm trying to understand in terms of the type of company you go to. So I'm also curious on that part, like, you don't have to say names, but how many did you interview with and, and what was your thoughts about different companies and so on? Okay, so um, when I decided to make a move from hospitality to tech, I only applied for three companies. All of them were MNCs. HubSpot was mm. one of them. Out of yep. three of them, uh, roles that I applied for were relatively similar. Entry roles that, um, you know, essentially they are like either they'll get fresh grad or like people um, that, uh, have like one to two years working experience. So I really wanted HubSpot. And why HubSpot was because I think HubSpot is big on culture. That's one. The second thing is that I noticed that when I reach out to people cold on LinkedIn, HubSpotters were one of the more responsive ones. And I mm. think that's a lot about um, the kind, like I experienced the culture firsthand. I experienced how people are so willing to share and how they literally want to set you up for success as well. I think that idea in itself, the experiencing of the culture before going into the company was what really impacted me. So out of like the three companies, I prioritized HubSpot at like the front, even though the other two companies were big as well. Hmm. And yeah. what about, um, you know, and, and I'm, I, I guess I'm thinking for listeners who may be thinking of a mid-career transition as well, mm-hmm. was... You know, if we can get real for a second in a sense, like was compensation also important for you? Like imagine if you had, let's say another company offered you a higher role, uh, maybe like a BDR role, for example, which potentially may come with a higher pay as compared to, let's say, if you go into, you know, Hotspot is ISC, is, is, that's before a BDR, right? Would it have made a difference or would you still say you prioritize culture and learning in this case? Personally, what I value is culture and learning over P, uh, over compensation. But that is not not for everyone, lah. Um, why I strongly believe in like learning or like the environment is because I always believe that you know compensation comes if you work hard, if you're ambitious, you want to get your goal. That is not to say that you know you wouldn't achieve it. You will. It's just mm. it just needs time. Yeah, you need time. You need patience, and you need the hustle. Um, or grind like essentially you really need to work hard for it so on the compensation and I felt like I wasn't in a rush for it and if I put in the good work that good results will come by later mm. oh, I love, love what you said because I and I always tell this to people as well right um, I remember I may have said this in other podcast episodes before but there's always this someone ever told me before like you know universe has a the universe is very interesting the universe has a way to make sure that if today you're not where you should be at a higher level, one day you'll get there. It's just a matter of time. And today, if you're at a position where it's too high out, you're, you're not ready. You know, mm. somehow, some way, you wouldn't last in that position. You wouldn't last in that spot. And naturally, the, the universe kind of will just balance things out, you know, for, for everybody. So, yeah, so that's, that's something that you mentioned. And I guess it's kind of similar, right? 
Mm, it is. I like that. I like that saying, by the way. Yeah. So, and of course, speaking about this, you know, um, we talk about how, you know, actually the funny thing is also recently, um, I also feel there are also a lot of people wanting to come into tech sales, right? You know, of course, many of them want to come into tech sales because they hear of, oh, you know, potentially I can earn more. You know, I want to be at that higher level in my life. I want to be at that higher positions in my life. And I think because of that, I think similar to you, right? There, for both you and I, because we are quite active on, you know, different social media channels, LinkedIn for you and I, um, and I know for you on TikTok as well. And we were literally talking about this whole concept of soliciting advice. You know, someone coming to you asking Julia, hey, Julia, I want to ask you this question about tech sales or whatever it is. Hey, Asher, I want to ask you. You know, so you have so many different people reaching out to you on TikTok, on LinkedIn. Um, and it could be to solicit advice, right? Like we said, on careers or something else. I know you have your experience of good as well as bad solicitors. You know, so for our listeners who, these people may be those who aspire to go into tech sales or whatever, or maybe aspire to find a mentor. Share with us those experiences, right? Maybe start off with, well, what you can choose, you know, do you want to start off from the bad ones or the good ones? You know, I'll let you choose. Okay. Um, maybe if it's okay, I'd like to go through a different path where I will share with you how I identify what's bad, what's good and decide mm. to reply only the good. So is, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so when it comes to that, yes, people do reach out to me on um, different platforms asking about, specifically, I noticed a lot of them, they put their intentions up front, wanting a referral. And that might have been something that you also would get being so active on LinkedIn. But yep. for listeners here, I think there are a few distinguishing factors that um, would make me give my time to a person more than the rest. And those are, number one, the initial message is extremely important. State your intentions out there, but also give context because at the end of the day, we are people with jobs and a referral, which is something that I cannot emphasize enough, is a privilege. When someone decides to refer you, they are essentially vouching for you. They are in a way kind of like putting their credibility, their reputation that they might have put in time and effort to build to kind of put that word in for you. So because of that, um, I found that the most first, like most effective first messages that I received were very intentional. They were very succinct mm. and they shared why they reached out to me and what they're hoping for. For example, like, can I, can I get a call? Can I hop on a call with you for like 10 to 15 minutes to understand this a little bit better? So mm. the way that the message is being structured is very clear. It's very intentional. At the same yep. time, it does sound like they are very mindful of my time, which leads to the second point which is yep. to kind of be very mindful about it. Mainly because um, mm. when I mentioned that referral is a privilege, it also means that as a referral, we put in time and effort to people who reach out to us. And yep. a lot of times we are rooting for their success. So that time factor is also very important because we do have a full-time job and probably other pri personal priorities. The mm. idea that reaching out to someone else, just being mindful of their time would be helpful. Yep. Yeah. But what but what is your what is your thinking around let's say let's talk about this thing about uh, referral right so obviously i agree with you in the sense that yes when you reach out to someone it must be intentional you must there must be context you yes. it must seem like you have tried to find out about this person or about the company he or she works at and you're not just spamming everybody say hi i want this <laughs> i want this i want this because 
obviously we won't reply to those kind because that just you're trying to take without giving yeah. so you want to give um without you want to give first right before receiving but mm -hmm. what about this thing about referral so i'll give you an example personally for me i have a rule where if i don't really know you or maybe i've just spoken to you on linkedin maybe once or twice over text messages personally i am someone that i i wouldn't refer refer you because it's, it's tough for me to vouch for you where I have barely ever spoken to you in real life. It's hard for me to even know you as a person. But maybe if I've met you a couple of times and I feel like I know your personality, yeah, I, 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 would, I would potentially do a referral for you if, if it's within my abilities. So on this topic of referral, I'm also curious to know your thoughts. Like, would you, what is your, if someone really wants to get into a company, what is your criteria to say that Yes, now I'm ready to vouch for this person. I'm ready to put my name as a referral of this person. Mm. Share some of my thoughts, maybe. Okay. Um, I have referred quite a number of people that reached out cold to me. Um, mm. What I usually do is, it's kind of like a sales process, right? Putting, it on a, putting them on like a sales cycle, they are now a prospect. And yep. um, the first question I ask is, have you applied directly in a portal? Because we all know that when it comes to referral, you know, it is most effective when it comes straight to you first and having mm. I will what I'll do is I'll set aside some time about 10 to 15 minutes I'll screen through their profile first so similar to recruiters I guess I have like that initial pre-qualification I'll screen through that pro their profile and in their message those that I would hop onto the next conversation need to hit a few marks the first is that they have not applied in the portal the second is mm. that um, they clearly state the direction that they are looking to so for example like I'm looking in sales role within your company. Mm. I'm looking at a success role, for example. So with that, I'm able to screen through their profile, their experience, and understand more or less, are they like good fits? So once, mm. okay, they are good fits, you know, both criteria met, I'll hop onto like a very quick 10 to 15 minute Zoom conversation where I try to understand them as people, as a person. During this Zoom conversation, it's mainly for me to answer their questions, but through their questions, you'll be able to understand like how inquisitive they are how mindful, how intentional, how aware they are. And I mm. think the idea that they are reaching out cold like that shows a lot of initiative, shows proactiveness. And from all of these little details, I will sometimes ask a few questions, especially if they are looking into sales role. I will just ask them about their past experiences and mm. take a step back, hear how they answer the questions, kind of like a mini interview for myself in order mm. for me to like really vouch for them. So I have had, after the first conversation, effective people that are good fits and I decide to refer them on the basis of a few characteristic traits. So one of them, for example, tenacity, where they have applied in a certain role, they did, they did not get it and they are now reaching out cold to do additional homework, additional um, you know, re research in the market to get another role. To me, I think that's a very good trait. And then there are also um, people who are really, really good fits, like they are applying for a similar role that they are in right now. But due to certain reasons, you know, they are looking to move. It could be compensation. It could be like um, um, environment that they are looking for. So it really depends from case to case basis. But there are certain characteristic traits that I would look out for. Because when I make that referral, those are my observation. And I will put it in there as part of my comments. Right. So like you said, it's literally just that, in a sense, 10 to 15 minutes. And from there... Of course, with the paper qualifications and the softer aspects of things, that's where you decide, okay, I think I, with that level of information, I'm confident enough to just do a quick referral for you. I'm confident enough to say, 
hey, my name can be part of this process of when in terms of the application process. Yeah, correct. And typically during my referrals, I will share the context on how I met this person and what my observations are. So I wouldn't like mm. specifically vouch for them, but I'll say, okay, I, this person reached out code to me on LinkedIn, got to know me through this. And mm. based on my observation on a 10 to 15 minute call, this is the reason why I'm referring the person. That'll state my observations. Yeah. Mm. Understand. So, and I think this is really, um, and there's no right or wrong answer, right? You know, everybody has different way of approaching things, you know, different, you know, you and I may have different ways and all. Um, but let's go back to kind of like, um, let's say people who are looking to reach out to solicit advice. Then we talk about how they need to have contacts. We talk about how they need to have, um, you know, they need to reach out with a particular message to show that they've done their homework. But let's say they manage to get on a call with you. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, you talk about they need to be in inquisitive, but what else would you hope to get from this person under, other than understanding about trade? What about the part where do you want to just enjoy that conversation with them? You know, because to me, that's very important when I meet someone, yeah. I, yeah, you know, in sales. To me, I just feel like, yes, whatever, even if qualifications is great, it shows that you are smart and everything. But if I feel like I, I don't really, I can't enjoy a conversation with you, not that mm. we have to be best friends, but if the conversation doesn't flow, it, mm. it's tough for me to be like, hmm, can I actually refer you to, to a sales position? I, I don't mm. know, just, just off the top of my head, that's what I'm thinking. So I'm, I'm curious to hear from you as well. Yeah, um, similar thoughts actually. When it comes to different roles, there are different competencies that would differentiate, say, like an excellent candidate versus a mediocre candidate. And I mm. think um, I really try to understand what competencies would make a person an excellent candidate. Conversation flow, for example, is one of the core things to look out for in sales. If the ability to build rapport in the first five minutes is lacking, it's a clear cut that this person is not a good fit anymore. So what I do is I am very upfront before hopping onto a 10 to 15 minutes call with all of these um, interested potential ref referees, right? To share with them that this conversation is not for me to refer you. This conversation is for me to access, assess whether or not I want to refer you. So if I decide not to refer the person, after the conversation, I will actually make it known to them. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of have like what we call in sales an upfront contract. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what we say. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Okay, actually, yeah, that's really interesting and, and really appreciate you kind of sharing like your thought process, right? I think it really gives our listeners really good advice in terms of, okay, next time if I were to reach out, I got to be intentional. This is something I should or should not do. But as we are coming to the end, maybe let's make it a bit fun, right? Uh, again, you don't have to name names or who or where this person is from, but do you have examples of, of really good ones, you know, that, that someone has reached out to you, it's really good, and maybe end off with a, a, a bad one, like you absolutely hated that kind of outreach, just so people have some context in terms of literally what I should or should not do. Okay, so to start off with a really good one, I actually had a few really good ones where I knew immediately I had to have a conversation with them either this week or next, like in my next available slot, I would really literally put them in. Um, what I noticed for good ones is that usually they'll reach out to me, give me context on where they've heard me from or why they are, why they are reaching out to me. Like, hey, I saw your, your, your post about transitioning from hospitality to tech. That got me interested. So just a really quick catchphrase. Um, giving me that context at the same time, introducing themselves and what they want. So like, oh yeah, I'm so-and-so. 
And the reason I'm reaching out to you here today is because I am keen to apply for the position in, let's say, like this position. Then um, what I'm hoping to get um, out of this conversation, if it's possible, would be a 10 to 15 minutes chat for me to ask you a few questions about your role, the company, and, you know, like probably if it's possible, get a referral from you. So I think I'm very upfront in terms of me, Mm. like people knowing that I don't put in referrals for everyone. And that helps. The reason why that helps is because people come in being more mindful. They come in being more intentional. If you are Mm. being branded as a person where not everyone gets a referral from you, it helps in a conversation where they they will need to do extra homework, extra research and not take Mm. things for granted. So I noticed that those messages typically catch my eye a lot more than now I'm going to give you a bad one. So... Mm. For a bad one, yep. I notice, um, I think my biggest pet peeve is when a person feel like they are entitled for your time, you know, in a way mm-hmm. where like, yeah, um, I need this referral and like the reason why and everything rounded around like the message was mainly the reason why they want to get into a company or they want to get into a role. I think in yep. a reverse um reverse psychological role, uh, like mindset, right? It is more so not why you want to get into a company or why you want to get into a role. That is like your why. That is your motivation. But when it comes to reaching out cold to someone else, it always has to be like, the reason I am a good fit for this role is because. Yeah. So it's more like, you know, understanding what the other person value, like what you mentioned, give before extracting. Because the reason why I want to get through it is kind of like you want to get something out of the conversation you want, but the giving part is missing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So these are like kind of the two, con- I, it's hard for me to dive deep into the examples, but these are kind of what I notice in good messages or good um, solicitors versus like the bad ones. Yeah. And actually it's very similar to a, I mean, you and I both, we have done prospecting before. We have reached out to customers. It's actually the exact same thing. Like I literally tell people the way you reach out to someone to solicit mm-hmm. advice, if you want to go into this industry, you know, that, that is the first impression. You reaching out to them will give them a good idea of next time if you were in a prospecting role, in a BDRO, SDRO, how would you be like? Are you going to be someone who just asks for someone time, just say, this is my company, this is how good we are. Talk to me. Or are you someone that will be like, Hey, I look at your profile. It seems I, I it seems like this may be important for you. You know, we, we help to solve these issues. Is it something mm. potentially you could be facing with? Something like that, you know, it's about them, them, them. Yeah. So mm. and, and a lot of times it's not about it's yes, it's a little bit about what you say, but it's a mindset, right? So I've also had people coming out to me before and say, Hey Asha, we'd love to hear you more, saw your podcast, whatever. We'd love to treat you to a coffee. For example, mm. offer a coffee, offer a meal. And the thing is, I always tell people, right, when I actually have coffee with that person, I don't expect them to treat me, you know. I, yeah. in sometimes I will just treat that person because it's, sometimes it's not so much about what you do in the end, it's that thought, right? It, yeah. Whatever you say, it, it shows a lot about what you are thinking. Are you feeling mm-hmm. entitled or are you feeling not? So, yeah, Correct. this is just really how I feel. Correct. 100%, I agree with that. I think this would give... Um, so much value to listeners who are looking to transition this particular podcast, mainly because they will know, I think in this podcast, we kind of have really good sound bites, really good advices. And in that way, they are equipped with that knowledge to reach out to people and network in a way that they might never have before. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really thank you for doing this podcast. I can imagine if I had listened to a podcast like this, it would have made my life, my co-outreach a lot easier trans- transitioning from hospitality to tech. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate you for coming on this podcast, right? And, and But at the end of the day, you know, if we were to really summarize things, it's it's simply about a human-to-human relationship, I think. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing complicated to that, right? Like, would you do that to your good friend? Would you just keep asking things from your good friend? You Probably not. Would you, you know, would you just upfront say, I want this from your friend? Probably not. It's, it's just mm-hmm. simply about the exchange of, of friendship. I, I, I don't know. It's a very simple yeah. human relationship thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And of course, uh, Julia, as you know, with that, we're coming to the end of our episode. You know, our time is almost up. But as you know, I always have a couple of questions, both rapid fire questions and final few questions for my guests so they can answer and hopefully give a wrap up to this episode. So, of course, the first, uh, first question is based on today's topic. You know, what is the one last message you will leave to someone who may be considering a mid-career switch into tech, for example, or into any other roles. What was that one last message? Find your ikigai. So ikigai is a different concept, but you can Google it up. It's I-K-I-G-A-I. Essentially, you are finding a balance between what you're good at, what the world needs, um, what you can be paid for, and what you love. That balance is ikigai. So I think before you make any transition, understand what is a balance of these four segments for you so that your compensation is okay. You are not hating your job. You are actually good at your job and you are doing something valuable for the world. Mm. Okay. Wow. Okay. That was a very smooth, clear outline of of, uh, the question. So speaking about job, then the question to you is, what do you love about your job at the moment? At the moment, I would say what I really love about my job is people. Like, of course, there are different aspects. I enjoy my job. I think my job is a very good learning curve. And I really enjoy being empowered, having the autonomy to come up with my own sales framework, you know, sales cadence and things like that, and how the results show after because that's how sales is. But I really enjoy the company that I'm in and the people I'm working with. I think that has made such a huge difference in enjoying my job. Like it brought it up to a whole new level. Yeah. And I can personally vouch for that because we've had multiple conversations before and I can see that, that you are what we call an ambassador indeed for, 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 for HubSpot <laughs> in a sense, a mini ambassador. And yeah. last question is, it may be related to what you said before about how you love your job, but what gets you out of bed every single morning? Mm, I think the idea that I'm going to make an impact in a person's business Mm. The idea that your conversation, whether or not they leave as a customer, they leave with a certain value, knowing what they might be missing out or how their business is going to go with the value that you provided them in the conversation. Yeah. And I'm sure it's nice to give a good experience, even if the time is not right now. Who knows, they will come back to you three, four months down the road. I think that's just sales. Exactly. I completely agree. Nice. And of course, uh, we have to come to the rapid fire questions. So of course, the simple rule of this uh, segment is I'll just ask a few questions. In the beginning, we will start to ask high level questions, really easy to answer, answer them in one word or one phrase. But as we come to the end, it will start to get a little bit deeper. Uh, But yeah, just do your best to answer them. um, Just the first thought out of your mind. Okay. Okay. So 
first question, easy one. You were flight attendant before. What will be your number one country to travel to? Norway. Norway. You, you have been there before or you haven't been there before? Nope, I've never been there. But I will be going there for my honeymoon though, year end. Yes, yes, correct, mm. correct. So, right, time for you to enjoy near the end of the year. Second mm. question, when are you the most productive? In morning. Uh, in the morning. When I, when I get up. So, usually I would say like around 8.30, uh, 8.30 9, I start my, my day. Mm. Mm. Okay. Then, number three, what do you think is a waste of money? Uh, spending money on games. Spending money? <laughs> yeah, uh, but this is a little bit contradictory. Um, I have spent money on games before, which is why I felt like I wasted money. So it's kind of like a personal experience. Right, I guess it's because it takes your time away from, I guess, potentially doing something productive. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay. And fourth question. Um, I know you love sales. I know you love what you do, but if you can choose any other occupation, you know, or any other job, what potentially would be your dream job or dream thing that you want to do? Educator. Oh, okay. Like, like a teacher or, or is there any specific place you want to be at? Yeah. So uh, the reason why the transition from hospitality to tech is so difficult for me is because um, I was giving up my dream after uh, much consideration. My dream in, I mean, before that transition was actually in the long run, I wanted to kind of get my PhD in the hospitality industry and give back by being a lecturer in the local university. Reason is because like, mm. um, I think the hospitality presence within locals is uh, a little, it, it can it can be beefed up that, that part of it, you know, it can be emphasized more. Yeah, so that dream mm. was kind of up to the side for me to chase my tech sales career. Well, maybe in the future, we never know. We never know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's technology for hospitality industries as well. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. Mm, okay, so next question is, what is the best compliment you've ever gotten from a manager or from someone you respect or whoever it is? I think that I communicate very effectively and I am very transparent. Mm. Okay. And then the last question from there is, what would then be the best advice you've ever received? I think the best advice that I've gotten was from a friend in university. And he told me that knowing what not to say is more important than knowing what to say at the right time to the right person at the right place. Mm. Expound a little bit more on that. I think okay. since we have some time, so just share a little okay. bit more on that. So what I mean by knowing what not to say is that a lot of times we are being compelled to say things. We tend to over-explain ourselves, whether it's sales or in, in, in life, right? We tend to overshare, we tend to over-explain ourselves. And sometimes, you know, that leaves us feeling a little bit reflective after the conversation. Knowing what not to say is the idea of learning how to pause and think a little bit more before you speak. So that gives you that little like second or millisecond for you to really ask yourself like, okay, but is this really necessary? Or is this comment really necessary? And that helps you to, it trains you to be a sharper listener. At the same time, it trains you to speak in a way where it's being thought out. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so it's like a mix of listening 
or, or rather prioritizing listening first, understanding, and then communicating out afterwards. Kind of, yes. I think you summed it up rel- relatively well, correct. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Thanks for sharing that. I think, I think it's a really good way to kind of, yeah, the end of this episode, in a sense. You know, just a very nice way to summarize everything. Okay, so, you know, Julia, we are coming to the end. But uh, for our listeners who are tuning in, maybe they want to reach out to you, be the good solicitor. What's the best way to reach, reach you? I would say through LinkedIn. Um, I do try my best to reply every every request that I get. Um, I will as well try my best to put in time for people aspiring to make a transition because I do have a soft spot for that. So mm. if any of you that are listening and you have come to the end, thank you so much for your time. I think Asha and I really appreciated your presence here. But yeah, do reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll be happy to have a conversation with you um, there. Yeah, and indeed, thank you to everyone for tuning in. So do connect with both uh, myself as well as Julia if you're interested. And of course, give us feedback you know, on this episode and tell us if you have any suggestions on any particular topic. So of course, Julia, as I always say to the listeners, I'm always excited for the next episode. Uh, but for now, you know, of course, everyone should take care, stay safe and have a great day or whichever day it is for you. So Julia, say bye to our listeners then. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. And bye. Take care. Stay safe. Bye.